The spirit realm is invisible to the natural eye, but not so with the results of its actions. Jesus speaks of this principle in John chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. The believer understands that God, who is invisible to the human eye, is the all-powerful creator of all things, and we know this, visualizing and experiencing His glorious handiwork. Psalms chapter 19, verses 1 through 3, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. All things visible to our eyes have been created by the invisible God out of that which is invisible. Hebrews 11.3, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The skeptics ridicule and attempt to destroy the spiritual principle of faith, which is the human's only bridge to the invisible God. Invisibility should not be so hard to grasp. Science is presently in the process of developing light-bending techniques to create invisible cloaking capabilities. Science also now theorizes that there is a, a parallel universe or multiverse that is invisible to us and separated from us by the thinnest of membranes. Students of the Scriptures understand that real, invisible entities are all around us, angels, devils, etc. Jesus calls us to enter into this invisible kingdom, which is the very kingdom of God, in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God, you see, is, is invisible. Are you ready to step out in childlike faith and experience the results of the invisible God's action in your life? Are you ready to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and become born again, born a second time? Are you ready to leave behind all sin and shame? The invisible God is standing by to work on your behalf. Today is your day of salvation. Click on to Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and instant entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 7, verses 1 through 5, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beast that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Man said, according to Oxford University scientist Richard Dawkins, it is obviously safe to say that if you meet somebody who claims not to believe in evolution, that person is ignorant, stupid, or insane, or wicked, but I'd rather not consider that. Now the record. 
Many of us have been where the evolutionists are. We understand and have considered their theories, but have found their positions vacuous. We have rejected them for the inerrant truth of the Scriptures. The evolutionists, Mr. Dawkins in particular, are highly displeased with the American citizenry because the majority of us actually believe that God created the heavens and the earth and did it in less than 10,000 years. The thought to them is appalling. The camp of the anti-Bible is placing a lot of hope in the year 2009. Their expectations of turning the minds of the world toward Darwin are, are high, excuse me, for 2009 is the 200th anniversary of his birth. It is also the 150th anniversary of his book, on the origin of species. They are counting on academia and the world's media to beat the Darwinian drum. Their ultimate goal is to destroy faith, man's only bridge to his creator. This, of course, isn't new. For the past 6,000-plus years, Satan has paraded his champions forth to attack the credentials of the Word of God, only to fail time after miserable time. Relax, saints. God's Word is true and righteous altogether. The following email arrived at God Said, Man Said. I can't believe anyone could be this ignorant. Why don't you take a trip to the Grand Canyon and get back with me about the earth being 6,000 years old? Someone with an IQ over 75, seriously looking for religion in their life, could not possibly buy this bleep bleep. You are actually causing much more harm than good. Signed, Doug. How old is the earth? Could it actually be just over 6,000 years old, as the Bible declares? Could Darwin's team be accurate with their billions of years? The scriptures date the earth using genealogical dating and various other historic markers recorded in God's Word. When we, uh, we can date, excuse me, Noah's flood at 1,656 years from the day Adam opened his eyes. We can go on from there with precision to the birth of Jesus Christ and, of course, on to today. On this website, there are multiple features that deal with the age of the earth. They'll be listed for your perusal at the end of this article. Evolutionists, on the other hand, base their positions on some certifiably shaky ground. The following paragraphs are from Morris and Clark's book, The Bible Has the Answer. The reason why many geologists believe the earth to be of a great age is because of their commitment to the principle of uniformitarianism, the philosophy that the present is the key to the past. According to this idea, which has been dominant in geological thinking for 150 years, present processes operating essentially at present rates are believed to explain all the geological phenomena now seen in the Earth's crust. If the present rates of sedimentation, erosion, evaporation of salt lakes, and growth of coral reefs have been those which produce the great formations which they have been identified in the Earth's crust, then an immense amount of time must have been required. However, the uniformity principle is being seriously questioned today, not only by creationists, but also by many evolutionary geologists. There seem to be no uh, processes taking place in the present that are competent to explain the corresponding formations of the past. For example, the evaporative processes which are producing salt deposits today are leaving salt beds which are both qualitatively different and quantitatively trivial excuse me, in comparison to the great thicknesses of pure salt and gypsum found in the geological strata. The same is true of coral and limestone formations. 
great continent-wide formations of sandstone and shale are quite incommensurate with any beds of sand and salt being deposited by modern rivers. Modern volcanoes are in no way competent to produce the great thicknesses in region-wide areas of volcanic rock found in the Earth's crust. Modern rivers could never produce the deep canyons or the thick beds of alluvion through which they flow. Modern glaciers could never produce the continental glacial deposits of the past. The present is not the key to the past. Catastrophism, not uniformitarianism, is the only sufficient explanation for the geological column, end of quote. Two major uh, events took place in the past that the present cannot account for. One, creation. If you travel back in time to just six days after creation began and just six minutes after the creation of Adam, you might assume the earth to be of great age and Adam to have had history. You'd be wrong on both accounts. Uniformitarianism rejects the reality of creation. Two, the worldwide flood in Noah's day. Nothing in the present can compare to the horrendously catastrophic results of a worldwide flood when the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were open. Rain poured out on the earth forty days and forty nights. Genesis seven eleven and 12, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Uniformitarianism rejects this reality. Uniformitarianism is built on a foundation of unbelief, but be assured, the record says yes to both supernatural accounts listed above. Doug refers to the Grand Canyon to support his hypothesis of billions of years. He is obviously not aware that the record contradicts his position. The following excerpts are from Grand Canyon, A Different View. The scientist is Steve Austin, Ph.D., Geology. Mr. Austin is a highly accomplished author. His professional memberships include the Geological Society of America, the American Association of Petroleum Geologists, the Society for Sedimentary Geology, and the International Association of Sedimentologists. Mr. Austin had this to say. Billions of large fossilized orthocone, cone-shaped nautiloids, are entombed in a six-foot-thick layer near the base of the massive red wall limestone formation. This extraordinary layer persists, uh, persists excuse me, throughout the Grand Canyon region, uh, northern Arizona, and southern Nevada. The fossil bed occupies an area of at least 5,700 square miles and contains an average of one fossilized nautiloid per square yard. The nautiloids are ancient cephalopods, relatives of the modern-day squid and octopus. Nautiloids were large creatures with an average shell length of over 18 inches, with some approaching 5 feet in length. Nautiloid fossils are observed almost everywhere in the Grand Canyon, where good layering surfaces are exposed to this rel relatively thin bed within the Redwall limestone. The existence of the nautiloid fossils in such enormous quantities and such a relatively thin layer that spreads throughout the canyon area is further evidence that the layers of the Grand Canyon are in fact flood deposits. Deposits from a flood of truly catastrophic proportions, such a flood is described in the Bible, the flood of Noah's day, end of quote. 
The following story is from the October-December 2008 publication Answers. A new study of Idaho's Box Canyon suggests that the canyon was formed rapidly by a megaflood, not slowly, as previously thought. A box canyon is generally a narrow, flat-bottomed canyon with steep walls closed off at one end. The standard story is that seeping groundwater slowly erodes the canyon away over a long time. A research team studying the canyon, however, determined that the slow-moving water could not have transported the large boulders found downstream, so they have concluded that a mega-flood carved the canyon in a relatively short period. Secular scientists are crediting more and more geological marvels to the work of catastrophes such as megafloods, end of quote. The next book is titled Refuting Evolution, written by Jonathan Sarfati, Ph.D., FM. Three short excerpts follow. It should also be pointed out that uniformitarian geologists have long allowed for the occasional localized catastrophic event. However, modern historical geology grew out of this general slow and gradual principle, which is still the predominantly preferred framework of explanation for any geological formation. Nevertheless, the evidence for catastrophic formation is so pervasive that there is a growing body of neo-catastrophists, but because of their naturalistic bias, they prefer, of course, to reject the explanation of Genesis, uh, global flood. However, a cataclysmic globe-covering and fossil-forming flood would have eroded huge quantities of sediment and deposited them elsewhere. Many organisms would have been buried very quickly and fossilized. Also, recent catastrophes show that violent events like the flood described in Genesis could form many rock layers very quickly. The Mount St. Helens eruption in Washington State produced 25 feet 7.6 meters of finely layered sediment in a single afternoon, end of quote. In addition to the doctrine of uniformitarianism, much of the theorist old age dating is based on dating techniques such as plutonium-238 or carbon-14. Most are shocked when they discover the unreliability of their age assessments, again from Dr. Safadi. There are many examples where the dating methods give dates that are wrong for rocks of known historical age. One example is rock from a dacite lava dome at Mount St. Helens volcano. Although we know the rock was formed in 1986, the rock was dated by potassium argon method as 0.35 plus or minus 0.05 million years old. Another is the KR dating of five anthracite lava flows from Mount Garaho in New Zealand. The dates ranged from 0.27 to uh, to, 3.5 million years, but one lava flow occurred in 1949, three in 1954, and one in 1975, end of quote. The subheadline in Science News, November 2008 reads, Physicists are stirred by claims that the sun may change what's unchangeable, the rate of radioactive decay. Just two paragraphs follow. A change of less than a percent may not sound like a lot, but if the change is real rather than an anomaly in the detector, it would challenge the entire concept of half-life and even force physicists to rewrite their nuclear physics textbooks. If the variations turned out to be genuine, 
The theories may need revision, or new theories may be needed. There's no known theory that will predict something like this, says theoretical physicist Rabindra Mohapatra of the University of Maryland in College Park, end of quote. Trickle-down, Doug, is just not working. There is not enough time and not enough trickle. We recommend a new trip to the Grand Canyon. Pick up a few marine fossils. While you're at it, stop at Mount St. Helens. Doug, your friends are jumping ship. It's time for you to come aboard. God's word is true and righteous altogether. Build your life upon it. God said, Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female. And of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls, also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Man said, according to Oxford University scientist Richard Dawkins, it is absolutely safe to say that if you meet somebody who claims not to believe in evolution, that person is ignorant, stupid, or insane, or wicked. But I'd rather not consider that. Now you have the record.